You're listening to Behind the Clipboard. Event experts empowering you to throw killer events for your business, workplace, social circle and beyond. We're giving you the insider toolkit, allowing you to make your events the talk of the town. Produced by Known Associates Events, it's time to go backstage with your hosts, Tamara Cook, Crystal Thane and Melissa Howie. Welcome to Behind the Clipboard. I'm Crystal Thane and please welcome my fellow event gurus, Tamara Cook of Known Associates Events and Melissa Howie. We're back. We're back, baby. (laughs) Episode two. Episode two. And in today's episode, get excited, everyone. We cover a topic close to our hearts and stomachs. Food, glorious food. Yeah, baby. Yay. At the heart of every great event is a memorable menu. It's so true. Absolutely. That's what people think when you when you go to an event, you think what what did you like when you ask what did you like about it? People mm-hmm. always say, "Oh, the food was either amazing or foul." Yeah, correct. <laughs> no one really goes, "Oh, I liked that chandelier." Yeah, we might. There was a really pretty flower in my centerpiece. Yeah, (laughs) we notice those things. Yeah, we notice those things. But generally, it's food and kind of beverage that people give feedback on and service. But back to food. Yes. So in today's episode, aside from getting really excited about food, we're going to cover the right style of food and service style for your event, menu selection, guest dietary requirements, and any food trends we think are up and coming and hot Mm -hmm. or cold or cold. Mm. (laughs) Good one. So let's jump right into style of food and service. What does that mean, Tam? Um, So you have to think about the event that you're actually hosting. So it could be um, a stand-up cocktail event in which place, uh, in which case you probably have canapes going around or you'll have um, grazing table, which has been the hottest thing lately for Mm -hmm. probably the last five, five, six years. I think grazing tables have been having a moment. Um, So... Yeah, style and service really depends on the exact format of your event. Are they standing up? Are they sitting down? Is it a combination of both? Is it a three-course meal? Is it a degustation? Mm -hmm. Are they sitting at round tables? Are they sitting at open theatre tables? Um, Yeah, you've just got to think how is – you've got to put yourself in the mind and the body of the guest and think how would I be able to manage um, listening to the content or enjoying the entertainment and have food and beverage incorporated into that? Yeah, you don't want nachos, crunchy nachos at a really formal <laughs> ballet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Recital. Yeah. No. Also, they're messy and it's standing. That yeah. It is one thing I think people really sometimes don't consider is choosing food at a standing event that can be eaten with one hand. And also while you're talking usually, it's like sort of networking events where you're standing. So I've tried to eat a burger at a networking event. Sliders, yeah. And I mean, gender, thinking about gender is super important. So if you've got a lot of women, and we all love a slider, let's, we all love a slider. But you want to be able to put your handbag down, put your drink down and grab that burger with two big mitts. (laughs) But you want to be like a bit classy about it as well. So you can't. So a lot of that slider stuff tends to go to waste. Exactly. I never eat sliders at events. I just find it too me messy. Same. And it kills me to watch them walk past. <laughs> yeah. One of my like, favourite things. Would you like a slider, ma'am? No. <laughs> but I really do. But do you know what is a good alternative is soft tacos. Oh, yeah. Because you can just roll them a little. Drippy? Well, you get a napkin. Hmm. I think I think hmm. that's that's my solution to sliders is you can still fill them up. But okay. Definitely. But, again, if you're adamant on sliders or soft tacos, 
if you really want that food, and I respect that choice because, <laughs> as we said, food is the centerpiece to most great events. Just think about more furniture, some high bar cocktail to tables. Rest, yeah. People can put their drink down while they're trying to attack this two-handed canapé, and it'll probably they'll probably rave about it. So we're talking about canapes, we're talking about standing events, we're talking about styles of events. I've seen a few interesting things at events where the the menu and the food can actually be sort of entertaining and part of the theatre. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. One Dry of best, ice yeah. is, a, is one of them that I've seen. We really um, recently went to a stadium, um, what would you call Show- it? Showcase. Yeah, showcase. And uh, it was Optus Stadium. They did it brilliantly. So they took us on this journey through Optus Stadium and each room was set up differently. And my personal favourite room, oh, no, the cheese room was also really good. Ooh, it's a so hard there choice. Were, yeah, there were two rooms that I loved. One was this imma- um, enormous... Enormous and massive. Immassive, yeah, enormous <laughs> and massive. Just made a new word. Immassive room. Um, it was all encased in this... Um, what would you call that? That tassel beaded curtain. Beaded, yeah, beaded curtain. Thank you, Mel. And inside was this enormous grazing oh, table. That was, it was a like good night, wasn't it? Grazing heaven, and it was up on a stage. Yes, it was brilliant. So um, that was a highlight. And then the second one, of course, was the dry ice where they had an, a seafood station, mm. oysters, and it was. Just, when I say dry ice, it was cascading over mm. the entire food just station. Just made it a lot more dramatic. Like, oh, it was food theatre like for food sure. Buffets. They're always good by me, but add a bit of dry ice. (laughs) I will politely disagree with that. I also went to that event. And for me, the standout room, again, food related, was the dessert buffet with bubbles full of dry ice floating down upon espresso martinis. See, even the social pages write up when the food is a centerpiece is just so much more exciting. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah, they nailed it with the food theatre. Oh, my goodness. Maybe we forgot about that room because we'd had a couple of espresso martinis by then. <laughs> Me. I was just food excited. Yeah. I'm always heading for the desserts. Yeah, it was brilliant. But food theatre is a fantastic way to combine entertainment, styling. It makes the room look amazing. And it's also um, a focal point, something like a grazing board. I know we keep, we're probably going to talk about that a lot, but a grazing board is a central point that people come to, they chit-chat around, they take heaps of photos of. That's right. I think why it's become such a popular way of serving food is because it's a visual delight. Interactive. Mm. It's an Instagrammable moment. It's something that we do eat through our eyes. So looking at a grazing table, we're salivating. Sometimes salivating now. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Get us some snacks. (laughs) Um, Sometimes they do look better than they taste or that's you, true you have yep. to have um yeah find somebody who does a really good um combination of beauty and taste and it's all about the flavor and from a practical standpoint you don't have to pay weight staff if you have a grazing board mm, true well actually i am going to jump in there and say you absolutely need to have someone constantly clearing and refreshing yes. yeah because they can get really foul yeah, they if, can. if it's just left out and you've got a hundred guests going to it they look really manky it gets yeah. nasty it gets nasty it is nasty um let's talk let's talk beverage okay let's talk matched wines Ooh. Do you think something like a degustation with matched wines is a selling event? Like, do you think those are still cool? Definitely still cool. It's been around for a long time. It's one of those things that you can't do on the fly. So if, for instance, you're doing a black tie event and you say, hey, I want to match it with wines and you've got 500 people in a ballroom, you have to think about 
500 glasses mm-hmm. times the amount of wines that you're serving. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of glassware. It's no room on the table. Um, it can work if you have the budget to have and a lot really of staff. And you pick your audience for that as well. You do, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a lovely way to enjoy food with the matching wines and then the chefs can become really involved. Yeah. I've been to a few events where you get to chat to the chef and they sort of talk you through the produce, which I as a foodie, quite enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's another way of interacting with the food, I guess. Yeah. My advice to you would be I would do it for smaller numbers. Definitely. degustation. Don't try and do a nine-course degustation for 300 people. And I I totally agree. It always comes down to what you want to achieve from the event. So if it's a fundraising event, which is something that's quite close to my heart, fitting in six courses is pretty tricky in – amongst you know all the other fundraising activities happening on the night plus the budgetary constraints of that exactly mm. <laughs> um but if your sheer aim of the event is to impress to wow to, to showcase something. an event or a product um then definitely a degustation can be a fantastic way i think uh i keep carping coming back to melissa because i know how much she loves food but let's talk about menu selection mel oh yes please Ooh. I mean, I, I can imagine it's probably a lot of people's favourite part of the job, um, but choosing a menu that appeals to majority of your guests is really important as well. So thinking about, again, the aim of the event, but your target market, who is attending? Tam touched on gender before. Definitely. Um, you know, if it's, I don't like to stereotype, but if it's a lot of men, they're generally going to lean towards a cheese board with their beer the savory and sort of a dessert afterwards. And meat. And meat, exactly. Yeah, and something substantial. Absolutely. So where we said avoid sliders probably if it's a female event mm-hmm. if it's male dominated then yeah bring in the sliders because yeah, they don't have the a handbag in, yeah. they're happy to hold their beer under their armpit <laughs> and shout out on that slider definitely put I the think, beer in their pocket yeah yeah what's more important to them at an event is not having to stop at mcdonald's on the way home so <laughs> important um, to me feeding well. them well yeah, yeah. true <laughs> the question is why is it always pretty much chicken or beef at a kind of alternate drop event Mm-hmm. Tam, maybe you can shed some light. Why is it always chicken or beef at a wedding or something of that style? Um, it just comes down to the majority of the population eat chicken or and beef. beef. Yeah. Yeah, and, and or. Um, personally, I'm a pescatarian, which means I don't eat meat. I eat seafood and vegetarian uh, yeah, vegetables. Um, but, yeah, most people will eat either white meat already yeah. mm-hmm. and that's just going to be a crowd pleaser so yeah often with a venue if you're doing something that's like an alternate drop which means every second person gets the other dish mm-hmm. um usually the venue does give you a few different options so it's ch- a chicken a beef a lamb maybe a fish and then our job as event professionals is to pick two options from those four mm-hmm. and although the other two options might be super exciting to us mm-hmm. deep down we know of the 500 people which two options is going to please everyone the most yeah, it is. And it's chicken or beef. Yeah, it's pretty becoming, much. Yeah, and there is a lean towards adding a decent, a very decent vegetarian meal. Not yes. the vegetable stack that you get all the time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or do you know what? I've been served. Um, I went to a, it was, it was about a 500 seat event and I got served the sides of everybody's no. main meal. Yeah, Gross. that was it. So um, they had their protein. Like roast potatoes. 
Yeah, I just got a little bit of cauliflower, the beans and whatever it was, quinoa on the side. Everyone had that on their plate plus a steak or Some a sort of um, protein. Yeah, yeah a, right. a piece of chicken. But I I got served the sides. I actually sent it back and said, um, you know, I'm Where's paying the rest the of it. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, you're paying the exact same as everybody yeah. else in the room and you're not getting served any protein. And a lot of vegetarians out there, it really is it's it's important for them to get that protein and it's they're becoming more vocal about it because it's a lot I, more common to be vegetarian. And I do feel that in the last couple of years probably the dietary options have become a bit more robust. Varied, yes. Yeah, varied and robust. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was very vegetable stack heavy mm-hmm. three or four years ago, but now I think you probably get something a bit better. Vegetarian is a much more um, common, common yeah. requirement these days and I think most venues will do their best to cater to it with a substantial vegetarian meal. Um, yeah, you ha- I you you'd be surprised though that mm. you really um, when I know we all have our favorite venues that we go to and there are some in our city that do it really really well and there are some that just are really old school and unless you get onto them and say exactly what are you serving for the vegetarian meal mm-hmm. they will just serve up the sides or they will just give you a pasta like not all vegetarians want to eat a bowl of carbs mm-hmm. yeah. they want protein and they want flavor mm. and these days that could be up to 10 percent of your guests so that is a great tip for anyone asking what the vegetarian option is yeah. venues will always provide it but it's not always guaranteed to be good and you know if you think to ask the question early enough in the piece then you can work with the venue to maybe come up with something a bit more substantial for if you've got a large vegetarian Mm -hmm. i think it's your responsibility as an event manager to really check that to really have that discussion and conversation with your venue well in advance definitely and let your guests know that you are catering for them. Yeah, definitely. And it can, it's it's not easy. It's not easy. We've got paleo, we've got kosher, we've got wheat-free, we've got gluten-free, we've got FODMAP. nut-free. <laughs> yeah, um, no onions, no garlic. You yeah. know, it's, it's no tough fructose. for chefs these days if it's yeah. a big a big event. Halal, vegetarian, pescatarian, lacto, <laughs> shall oh I go goodness. on? We could go on, but we won't. <laughs> Um, we've, we're touching on sort of audiences that you get with uh, different types of events and how important the menu selection is in relation to the audience. Mm-hmm. Mel, can you maybe talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. I know we mentioned gender already, but even down to I've done a industry a, a ball for the agricultural uh, society before and choosing lamb for them might be a great option, whereas in general for the general population, lamb can be quite a polarising option which kills me because it's one of my favourite foods. I don't like lamb, but... Exactly. Yeah, I but it's I expensive think, and it's honestly, a premium cut. That's the hardest part of menu selection is choosing not what you like, but what you think the majority we'll of the your most guests people. will. Um, but again, you know, if it's a more... No, I'm, I'm not going to say more female-based, but some audiences you can go with different types of seafood but avoiding the stronger ones can sometimes be a good idea for like tuna or salmon for example because those are very strong like if you don't like fish i wouldn't do i probably wouldn't go for seafood Uh, you want to do your mild you want to do yeah your sort of white fishes and that sort of thing and i also think if it's canapes um you should choose for lean towards vegetarian if you're going to do canapes because everyone can eat vegetarian doesn't work the other way around that's exactly right and Mm -hmm. chefs are doing amazing flavors and um, things it doesn't necessarily have to be vegan so you still use cheeses and Mm -hmm. you have protein in there but you're going to have a lot of people a lot more people um being able to 
just go, yep, I don't really need to worry about yeah. this menu. We just shared a mushroom danish before we started recording today. We Ooh, did. Yeah, that was delicious. vegetarian. Was that? That was Chew amazing. Bakery. Yeah. Oh, Very delicious. Love Chew. <laughs> also not sponsored by Chew. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But we're going to go there. They're just near where we record. So Chew, we're coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you've got f- dietary requirements. And these days I feel, we feel there's a bit of a, a lean towards people maybe sending through preferences over requirements and you know we're all about putting the guest first giving them an amazing experience but Mel maybe you can talk about it from a charity kind of perspective and how people trying to force too many preferences slash requirements onto the venue can make a difference to the bottom line yeah well like you said an event manager will always put the guest first and the guest experience Um, but some venues have started charging if more than 10% of your guest numbers do have dietary requirements so that can be a little bit hard um it's about balancing i guess for yourselves as event professionals or aspiring event professionals you've got to think about making the guest experience amazing but also depending on your budget making sure it's within that budget so Mm. it's probably again about managing the relationship between the guest the venue and you know do they really is that actually a requirement or is that a preference yeah and again if we're creeping past the percentage of and you can also get around that. Um, Tam has touched on it already by choosing some of your base menu items that are already vegetarian or gluten-free, yeah, which generally exactly. make up the largest proportion of the dietary requirements these days. Mm. Yeah, so I always try and choose, as Tam said, for canapes especially. I go kind of, if I'm picking five, I will do like three or four vegetarian. And within that vegetarian subset, there's like one or two that are gluten-free as well. Mm. And that pretty much hopefully depending on your audience can tick a lot of boxes yeah and if you're doing a sit-down meal most of the main course meals are meat with veg so gluten-free they are easily made into gluten-free but just remember you check the source that's where the gluten hides quite often Mm. i have learned that (laughs) uh, source on the side exactly but if you ask um even for events of 500 people i've had the kitchen say they'll make that exact same sauce but with a different ingredient so that it can be eaten completely gluten-free yeah yeah and most people won't even notice yeah, yeah. There you go. I've had an incredible chef that I worked with, um, that we regularly work with actually. And we had a list of dietary requirements. There's only 25 women at this event. A list of dietary requirements as long as my arm. <laughs> um, we had no onion. It was an Italian menu. Let me start with that. Okay. The theme yep. was Italian. So we had gluten-free, lactose-free, no onions and garlic. Oh, no. Um, Is that the one person? <laughs> no, these okay. were all different people. There was some that couldn't eat seafood some that couldn't eat meat, some that were vegetarian. Um, And we sent these dietary requirements to him and he was like, no problem, I've got this. And And a good chef will find it to be a a good challenge for them to try and – Oh, he was amazing. It was a three-course meal. Um, He did gluten-free breads and non-gluten-free breads. And in the centre of the table, he had sauces with, um, like dipping sauce with garlic and olive oil, mm-hmm. but the, obviously the non-garlic people didn't touch that. Mm-hmm. And then um, the entree, I can't remember exactly what it was, but the main was pasta. And so he did gluten-free pasta with wow. a creamy sauce, Yum. which was made from almonds. So oh. there were no nut allergies, thankfully. And <laughs> the so, one, one Yeah, we had this have, almond yeah. cream sauce that tasted exactly like cream. It was delicious. I just... I took my hat off to him. And we had a dairy-free dessert that just tasted like heaven. 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 Wow. Heaven. Nice. heaven. <laughs> he was amazing. So what do we think 
And maybe what do you think? Maybe comment on the Facebook group. What about some food trends? We touched on grazing boards and we don't see them going anywhere anytime soon, I don't think. Grazing boards. I think just because the visual presentation is such... um, such a trend because we're working living in this social media world at the moment hashtag insta food yeah and everything everyone wants to take a photo of what they're eating and what they're about to eat so that's the reason it's so successful yeah. so i think it'll stick around i said bring back the fondue oh yes. like interactive food yeah, yeah i like a bit of a dip and back to the 70s it may not be <laughs> the most hygienic of things but we can make it so i mean you do it with friends fondue with friends <laughs> absolutely how good is a chocolate fountain? Let's exactly. Be Everybody loves it. Brings out the big kid in you and yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But We're, I don't know. What other trends do you think are coming up? All that, honestly, like we've been racking our brains on this for a while in terms of food trends. And you're right, like grazing boards, just by the sheer visual aspect of it, I don't mm. see them being replaced anytime soon. Mm. I see a lot more interaction maybe with the chef at the table as being a bit of a trend that we're coming mm. towards and people you know, that farm to plate stuff's really popular. Absolutely. Sustainability yeah. is a trend yeah. in itself. Mm-hmm. So getting fresh local produce, doing it like the Italians do it, which is they do not cook any ingredients that aren't in season. So Seasonal you, produce. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's coming straight from. I'm a big fan of nose to tail cooking and eating, but I know that can be polarizing. Yeah, especially for, <laughs> for veg- somebody doesn't eat meat. <laughs> but again, you know, depending on your audience, that could actually be a perfect kind of launch or event theme theme yeah Yeah. nose to tail eating yeah Mm -hmm. definitely and i think you're on your own there thank you yeah more food for me (laughs) shared food has been around for a while and i suppose grazing table is a version of that scaled up yeah um shared platters platters of meat and vegetables i've seen a fair bit lately and i love it personally it reminds me of the farm table you know wholesome eating yeah, it brings you back to gathering with friends gathering. and what you were just yeah. saying, Crystal, that you really you want to really jump into that experience and feel like you're with family and when you've got a big shared plate in front of you mm. or a board or something that even you're serving to your own dish together, it, it yeah. gives that feeling of family and friends. And, and it, yeah. it's a little bit of theatre when a big plate of meat, a big platter of meat comes to the table, everyone goes, ooh. Except for Tam. <laughs> Maybe except for Tam. <laughs> if a big fish came to the table, perhaps. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I love a big fish. <laughs> but I think the overarching theme there is abundance. It's, yes. You know, a grazing table looks the best when it's overflowing and luscious and abundant. So, you know, those shared platters, stacked higher vegetables and... Height is very important in food, <laughs> food photography especially. The but higher we will the better. always eat with our eyes. Yes. So. so perhaps a little trend and maybe we could try this out is when you are doing a black tie and you do have the 10-seater rounds that we do some grazing, multi-level grazing as a centrepiece. Mm-hmm. So Actually like you, an edible centrepiece. Yeah. <laughs> Who yep. doesn't? Because it would, it would um, be budget savvy. It would look amazing. And, yeah, it's yeah. something that you're not expecting in a black tie. Mm-hmm. I think we'll be trying that out soon. I, th- I yeah. think I might. Yeah. Although, can I say, for all the event managers at home, you would think grazing boards would be cheaper however they are We've not worked, they're not they're not as cheap as you would think in your head because you're like oh it's just a bit of meat bit of cheese it's not but still a yeah, great option there's, there's a lot of planning that goes into it again to the abundance point it yes. has to look full and yeah overflowing otherwise, and pretty yeah pretty it's gotta be and it, it's it they often have florals and yeah greenery candles all those things that they've got styling within the actual grazing board. absolutely yeah, the definitely. best grazing tables are done by people who are grazing slash stylists mm-hmm. experts mm. so we're actually in the home stretch of today's episode so maybe let's let's talk about the five key points to take away from today 
Mm-hmm. Mel? Sure. Well, I think um, key is remember to choose variety and consider the majority of your guests. So making sure you're not choosing what you like to eat if it's something that... Especially if it's nose to tail stuff. A lot of the general <laughs> public probably won't be eating. <laughs> Pam? Mm-hmm. Um, close to your heart, I think. Yeah, going more vegetarian. If you're doing a stand-up cocktail style event, definitely go for more vegetarian options and speak to your chef and find out what fancy things they can do Mm. without using meat and seafood. You're going to please a lot more people. Mm -hmm. Number three is one of my personal favourites, always (laughs) menu taste. Wherever possible, some venues um, don't do it anymore, but just generally researching other reviews checking what the food's like before you book the venue. Asking Um, around It's really the centrepiece of an event is having amazing food. Yeah, and if they don't do menu tasting, then definitely jump on um, their Facebook or um, website and check any reviews you can, Mm -hmm. word of mouth. Um, People are going to tell you if it's good or bad and go with the majority. Absolutely, particularly in Perth. Feedback. It's a small industry. That's right, yeah. Tip number four, dietary comments should always be asked, I think. Unless it's a stand-up cocktail event with heaps of different options, if it's a sit-down, no-brainer. I agree. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a really small event and you've only got 30 people coming to it. <laughs> As you found out. <laughs> There's a lot there of dining comments between 30 people. Yeah, or even, you know, stand-up cocktail, just, you know, a small amount of people always um, ask the question and then you're prepared for it because you don't want someone coming, especially if you're serving alcohol, you never want someone turning <laughs> Drinking up. Drinking on an empty stomach. And they can't <laughs> eat. Yeah, it's not fair and it's actually not legal yeah yeah definitely and i think tip number five tam be creative so don't necessarily go for the trends or if you are going to follow a trend then i say put it put your own spin on it try and um change it up a bit or start your own trend which is tam's gonna bring back fondue bring back fondue (laughs) yes bring back fondue but i think um a trend definitely we're going to see is sustainability and i think every event manager should be considering that when they're choosing a menu anyway we Mm want to look after our planet and we want to eat fresh food so it's a no-brainer really Yes. Hashtag bring back fondue. Yes. (laughs) Sustainable fondue. Sustainable. (laughs) That's us today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in again. Yeah, we love chatting with you guys about this and we hope you got a lot from it. If you've got any questions, jump into the Facebook group behind the clipboard and we'll be there to answer your questions and perhaps talk about your topic next time on the show. Yeah. Speak to everyone next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. For your chance to have your questions answered or join our conversation, jump into our Facebook group, Behind the Clipboard Podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Behind the Clipboard Podcast.